Hi, listeners. This is Understand South Carolina, a podcast from the Post and Courier. I'm Emily Williams. And I'm Gavin McIntyre. Today, we're taking you to the Phillips community, one of few surviving historic African-American communities like it. In 1875, it was founded on a former plantation after the Civil War by formerly enslaved freedmen. Most of the people who live there now are descendants of those original residents. And like other settlements with similar histories, the once rural and isolated community is threatened by more recent growth and development that's surrounding it. Gavin, what was the first time you went out to the Phillips community? So I initially went last year in July with Post and Career reporter Chloe Johnson, where we met with Richard Habersham and Reverend Elijah Smalls. And they pretty much took us around the community. They've grown up there their entire lives. They're the descendants of the original founders of the Phillips community, which go back to the late 1800s. And being with them for those few hours, you could really get a sense of the community. I mean, we were just standing along the sidewalk and they were pointing the homes and saying, oh, I, I know their father, I know their mothers. Oh, I know, you know, their brothers, they used to live here. Now they're over here. You know, you really got a sense that the people there knew and cared about each other. And so that's why I immediately knew, like, I had to stay invested with this story. The Phillips community has been in the news for months, and we'll talk more later about why. But today you'll hear from Phillips resident Ada Bennett and Richard Habersham, president of the Phillips Community Association, about the history of their community, their experiences living there, what it means to them, and what they've done and continue to do to fight for its survival. My name is Richard Habersham. Uh, I'm the president of the Phillips Community Association. We got started back in 99 to, to confront some of the same problems we have now. And it started because of a, <laughs> of a water tank. That water tank wasn't going to benefit us. So we got together, you know, we lost the fight. But it opened up the town eyes and everybody else's eyes that, that we're not going to stand still. And just everybody just throw things on us that they don't want. And from that, you know, we moved from the water tank, like, like I said, the road issue, zoning, and some other issues that, that, that came up. And I think that um, we've been making some pretty good strides because a lot of people from the county level to the federal level know who we are. This little community to know who Philip is. We're making enough noise that, you know, that people listen. Eighteen, eighteen seventy, seventy-five. That's when they put the plan in, and it, it turned the Phillips Plantation into a Phillips community. And like I said, my great grandfather was was one of the original resident, and right now most of the people that live here, they're descendants of those original folks. The records show, property records show, most of the people bought their property with cash money. Some people did it on time, but most bought it out. Like um, the Smalls, he bought 35 acres for $350. My thing always was, where did these people get all this money from? You know, you imagine having $350 cash money 13 years out of slavery, or $250, even $100. That was a lot, lot of money back in the 1800s. South was broke, nobody had no money, but these folks had, had money. And he had the wisdom 
the, the for land ownership, and it was not just for them. They they they, they had the land ownership for for their descendants. And you can see right now it worked. And some of these same names you can see here, y'all. You got the Bennett, Smith, Myers, Brown, Capers, Rouse, Gallon, Scott, Turnell, um, Geddes, which is my great grandfather, Bailey, Rouse, Bennett. My name is Ada Bennett. I lived in Phillips most of my life. My great grandfather, London Rainey, uh, my mother's father, he bought this property along with his wife, Einer Rainey. The two of them um, settled here and passed it down to his son, Benjamin Rainey. And my grandfather, Ben Rainey, was a carpenter, one trade. He worked as brick mason. He was a preacher. Uh, they call it a table tapper, as my mother used to call it a table tapper, and he was one of the main community pe uh, persons in the community, Phillips community. They held meetings here where my house sits now, used to be where his house was, along with my grandmother. And they used to have a bull horn, a sheep horn, as he said, my mom said, and they would blow it and everybody would start coming from the different houses to a meeting hall, which used to be here in the yard. And they used to have meetings and they talk about the concerns about, about Phillips community, what they needed to do if somebody got a burnout or somebody needed help building a barn, building a home. They were right here on this property where I sit right here, where my home is now located. Family, knowing everybody, working together. Everybody is family. Getting back to the water tank. A lot of people didn't understand what that water tank meant. We, we met right over here at this church that night and explained to people what, what that one issue would cause. We had the whole community. Even though a lot of people didn't know, but when they found out, we all got together for, for a cause. That culture is, is togetherness. That's, that's the big thing, the way we can solve our problems. Everybody knew each other. Everybody got along well. We played together. We went down to the creek swimming in the summer, you know, different age size, stayed together. Everybody stayed together and, and got along fine. We had a softball team. We had a baseball team that on the weekends, the females played, a uh, woman and the women's team played. And uh, on Saturday or Sunday, the male teams played. There's nobody in Phillip that didn't know the other one. The it was like my, my aunt house was across the street, one house. My mother's house was here. And way back when, my grandmother's house was here. Other than that, was all farmland because they farmed the property. It was, you probably see like um, in between the houses would be like a plot where you probably see corn, you probably see, um, sometimes I think it was collard greens, sometimes I think it was like watermelon, okra, different things like that they would plant. They had their own farm. So in between each house would be like a little field sometime where they plant their own individual plants. Christmas time was a very good time because we would walk from house to house and you'll go and collect, they, you get, take your little bags, they, had, they give you apples, oranges, little, a little pack of candy, like the Christmas candy, they will give you that. 
and you will go to everybody house cake. They give you pound cake and you go from house to house going around on Christmas and Christmas Day. And that stuck to my head because that's you get to see that love of everybody, the joy of who cooked what or who's baked that or you get a piece of that baked goods that a person gave, uh, baked the night before or the week of. And you got a piece of that from every house you went to. There was not one house that you, you went in that you didn't get something from on Christmas Day. And we will parade around the whole area. And that was the joy of being a young kid and, and Phillips, and it was Philip, because everybody knew each other. Everybody enjoyed that. Christmas is coming up. We know we're going to get, we'll go to so-and-so house because they got the bigger cake. We like this cake that they bake. So we'll go to this person's house. Oh, let's go to so-and-so house because they got that big old, they'll give you a bigger bag of candy as kids. So you enjoy that stuff. And that stuck. That stuck. We always had that pride of loving each other and taking care of each other, looking out for each other, watching your back. Because of its historic significance, the Phillips community is attempting to be included in the National Register of Historic Places. To the residents of Phillips, being on the register could give them a better sense of security for the community's future. I know they don't stop everything from happening, but it'll make people think twice before they come and try to change the culture on Philip. Our wealth is not how much my pro the value of my property. My wealth is, can I live here and have a quality of life? Since we don't have a lot of old buildings, we're looking at uh, the development patterns. And like I said, the, the, the lots are long, it's elongated. So, so that is unique to the, to the area. The, the elongated parcels. So that's, that's one thing. Then you got the people that has been here. Imagine you have a family been here. I'm fourth generation. And you got some family, fifth and sixth generation that still live here. What other community can, can say that they have resident that been in the, in the same community that long? See, all that makes up that, that, that historical part of it. It's the people and the land, the, history, the, the story of the land. You, you have a, a lot of woods and you got the creek. And think about that now. What you do in the creek? You can fish, shrimp, feed yourself. If you got a lot of forest area, what you can do? Hunt, still feed yourself. And then you got your property, which you can grow your vegetables and all that. So, so like I said, I think it was some thought in it. There was some planning that was done here. And not just my community, in the Redmond's Point community, the Snowden community over there, even the Hamlet community over there. It was some thought that was put into these areas. Thought, effort was put behind all this. Phillips is located in Charleston County, east of the Cooper, but it isn't part of the town of Mount Pleasant. It remains an unincorporated community but though it isn't part of the town, it's been greatly affected by the rapid growth there. One time it was nothing but wooded area other than Phillips because you drove from Seven Mile to Phillips and there was nothing but trees. And then you get to Phillips to the Cane Hori, or, or they call it uh, the Wando Bridge, and it was nothing but trees at one time until 
all the developer, developers came in and started building in different areas. 41 out here. When I was a little boy, you know, he was about 15, 16, you know, in the summertime, you ain't had nothing to do. Hot. You used to lay on the highway. There wasn't no traffic. You may got one truck or one car every half an hour or every 45 minutes. We was the only community on 41 that was in Charleston County. Between us and Seven Mile, there was nothing. And when you pass us, it wasn't nothing. You know, it was, wasn't nothing in there. Everything was open property. Everybody moved here for that country feel. Today, it's a very different picture. Charleston County has been in the process of developing a plan for Highway 41 to alleviate the traffic that's the result of growth as more subdivisions have been built and families move in. I'm David Slade. I'm a reporter for The Post and Courier, and I write about how growth and development is changing the Lowcountry. So South Carolina Highway 41, the, the part we're talking about, is a four-mile stretch of two-lane road in the north end of Mount Pleasant. It runs from U.S. Highway 17 to the Wando River, then crosses the river and connects to Clements Ferry Road on the other side. And the roads become known for traffic jams, especially during rush hour. And addressing that was one of the projects listed for Charleston County's half-cent sales tax. And so right from the start, they started looking at a bunch of different ways to deal with traffic. And the most obvious one was always just widening the road from Highway 17 to the river. And the road runs right through the middle of Phillips. So that's been an issue from the start and and widening that road well the county called that alternative one that first plan was opposed not just by residents of phillips but by a pretty broad base of community allies like the coastal conservation league historic charleston foundation charleston preservation society save shem creek southern environmental law center the Center for Air's Property Preservation, and the Charleston Trident Association of Realtors. We thought we was meeting with a few other organizations, right? And we going on our community center site. So it was just, I thought we was going to be the head, going to meet together and strategize. We had about 100 people showed up. And we was looking around and, you know, and one of the guys, <laughs> the white gentleman said, we, well, we're happening to the rest of the community, people in the community. So we didn't plan for that. We planned just for the head people sit down and talk. We didn't realize that many people were going to show up. You know, it was about six, seven of us out of the community, the, the, the leadership part, but all these other people showed up. We had some of everybody. You know, you had East School Land Trust. You had um, Female Voter League. You had people from Hallback Creek, Colonnade, um, his property. It was a lot of different organizations out there. And a lot of people heard about our plight and they said they want to be a part of it. Even some of the other communities, other settlement communities, they was calling, they wanted to help. And a lot of them understood what we were saying, that, that the road, when, when, you know, anytime road expansion, it comes to our neighborhood and it displaces us, it displaces the, the, our kids, it displaces the people there. They rally and say, well, no, this is wrong. The moderator yesterday from the county, he's saying that, well, 
this the first time they seen that that a type of um, response was organized like this. A lot of them came in because they knew us because we worked with us, but then we had some other people to help us organize all this. We can't take all the credit for it because we did have help because this is a lot of work. There have always sort of been two competing plans that were the ones they were discussing. One was widening the road from one end to the other. The other was widening the road pretty much up to the Phillips community and then sort of making a half circle through part of Dunes West where there's an existing road, Dunes West Boulevard. And at one point the county said that would do the most to relieve traffic. And then there was a lot of pushback. And then they came back and said, widening the road from one end to the other was their preferred plan. Then there was huge pushback on that. And now they've come back and with a, a version of the other plan, which, which again, widens Highway 41, kind of right up to the Phillips community and then loops around it through Dunes West and then widens 41 the rest of the way to the river. And Part of the whole discussion has always been, where's the traffic coming from? And since Dunes West and Park West have something like 5,000 homes, a lot of people, including the county's traffic planners, say that's where a lot of the traffic is coming from and going to, so this makes sense. The Phillips community is much happier with the new plan because instead of having a five-lane road through the middle of the community, it would it would be a three-lane road. It would be a little wider than it is now. Right now, it's two lanes. And then it, instead, it would be two lanes of traffic with a center turn lane, which people in Phillips aren't real upset about because that might help people get in and out of their driveways. Of course, the people in Dunes West and, and some people in Park West are very upset about the new plan for, for the opposite reason. And the reason, part of the reason people get so engaged with these projects is it's not just about traffic relief. It's about where is the traffic going to go and whose properties are going to be t literally taken in order to make way for the road. I mean, the Phillips community was concerned that there was going to be basically a four-lane highway running through the middle of their community, which sits on both sides of the road. And that community has been there since the 1800s. And the road was run through the middle of it in, I think, the 50s. The plan to widen it through Phillips would have meant taking nobody's houses, but parts of lots of people's properties. On the other hand, the people in Dunes West and Park West, they don't want to see four lanes of traffic running through their community, even though it wouldn't involve taking, again, wouldn't involve taking anybody's houses, but people worry about traffic safety, kids needing to cross the road to get to school or parks or whatever. I think that's why people get so engaged. It's not just about traffic relief. We, we don't know if it's a road to solve everything, but it'll give us that chance to survive. We know four lanes will kill us. You know, that, that's just a, a death sentence. You got a historical community that's been here for hundreds, a hundred plus years. You're gonna just come in and destroy it? Why? 
this is just one of many things like this that are going on in the, in the Charleston metro area. And I mean, every time a road is widened, somebody's property needs to be paved over to widen that road. So, I mean, we've seen this happen on John's Island, where the extension of 526 is planned. And on James Island, uh, we, we're seeing this right now in North Charleston, where they're planning to to widen and rebuild 526. And a lot of it goes back to permitting huge amounts of development without planning for the traffic. So this kind of thing is being repeated all over the area, all over the state. All this development gets permitted and then, you know, surprise, there's all this traffic and it's left to the taxpayers to figure out what to do with it. It's going to basically be up to Charleston County Council in the near term to decide, is this the plan they're going with? And they're probably going to do that in April. The way things are looking, they're probably going to approve this plan, but nothing is certain until it's done. And then there's also going to be a federal review, but it's the county's decision is going to be, it's going to be a big one. And then there's also a question of Mount Pleasant getting involved. Most of the people in Mount Pleasant who are affected by this plan don't want this plan. I mean, Phillips, Phillips is a very small community and it's not part of the town of Mount Pleasant. Dunes West, Park West, Rivertown, all those huge subdivisions, they are all part of Mount Pleasant and the majority of people there do not like this plan. So the town is already talking about, do they have the authority to, to block it? Um, it's not clear if they're gonna go that far or what their legal standing is, but that's another question. Look, look at 17. You know, when I was a little boy, that was a two-lane road. That was a horse and buggy road. Expanded to four lane. And the houses that was at, at, on that road was right in the road. You don't see no houses over by town center no more. So that was a community. That community was wiped out. The seven-mile community, they're on their way out. You don't have that many houses there. And you further, go further down the eight-mile and the ten-mile community, <laughs> they're on life support. You know, so, so, and we said, we don't want that. Don't just throw us to the dogs. Be fair with us. Just remember that we were here. We didn't just come here. We were here. Our four parents was here for years and years and years. And off the backs of those people, it was not easy to maintain and keep up and keep those property because my mom was, they sold pecan, they sold flowers. They did everything, the sweet grass basket. We maintained on the little that they were given and still made it. When you got a museum, what that mean? You showing something, something that was there. Think about it now. The museum is something that used to be here, but it's gone. And I was saying about, about Philip. I said, well, we don't want to be in a museum. We want Philip. I don't want years from now, well, this is happening, Philip, and this came up. No. Go down to Philip, and you can see this, and you can experience Philip.
The Phillips community is just one example of how Black communities in the Low Country have been threatened by development and infrastructure projects. Reporter Adam Parker recently looked into four other communities facing similar risks from road projects. We will include a link to that piece in today's show notes. Thanks so much for listening today. If you have any questions or feedback for us about this show, you can email us at understandsc at postingcareer.com or message us on Twitter at understandsc. And as always, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a review. It helps other people find our show. Again, thanks for listening, and we will be back next week. Understand South Carolina is a production of The Post and Courier. Our music is by Billy Fountain. You can stream his music on Spotify at Billy Fountain. We'd love to know what you think of this show. You can reach us at understandsc at postandcourier.com or on Twitter at understandsc. If you're a fan of this show, please rate and review us on the Apple Podcasts app. Keep up with the latest headlines at postandcourier.com. We'll see y'all next week.